Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. Hey, Dream City, Pastor John here. Today we're starting our new series, If Only I Had Blank. And I'm excited about what God is going to do in all of us during this series, but I'm especially excited for you today. Pastor Angel and myself are out of town, but you're in for a treat because Jed Mullinex is here with us this weekend. Some of you will remember Jed. He's been a part of our Converge Conference as a workshop speaker, but today he's here to bring the word with us this morning. So would you do me a favor? Would you all just please stand to your feet and give a big Dream City Church welcome to Jed Mullinex. What? Man. Thank you. Thank you. I have waited my whole life for that moment. I ask my kids to do that when I come into the kitchen in the morning and I still can't get them to do that. No, it's so good. Thank you. Thank you uh, for that. Welcome, Dream City. Good morning. I love the Dream City crew. I love the team here and how they lead you. And I love what you're doing and your presence here in the city. And I love your pastors, John and Angel Weasel. And I want to say on behalf of an organization that we're uh, leading and that Dream City's a part of, and John's on my team, uh, where we are working in the city to reach our city with the beautiful news of who Jesus is and to renew our city around the heartbeat of Jesus. Thank you for being part of that in a consistent and faithful and generous way. So we thank you and we love you and we're for you and we're excited. I couldn't believe I had the opportunity to kick off a brand new message series today called If Only I. And John, when he called me to say, hey, will you be with us on this Sunday? He said, you can take any topic you want in the series. And then he listed them for me. And it was, it was great. And it, it was very easy for me because if you've spent around any time around John, and I have spent a lot of time with him, I know there are a lot of things I am not able to do as good as John. Okay, for example, I cannot golf as good as John can golf. Anyone ever seen John hit a golf ball? Okay, the brother can golf. Um, I cannot preach as good as John. All right, I'm here, I'm going to give you my best, but he just has a way and a sway to his teaching, and I love it, but I love the Holy Spirit uses us in our weakness, okay? And I'm telling you right now, I cannot pull off Air Jordans like John, okay? <laughs> Come on, the guy, every time I see him, I'm like, John, you just, you look so good. And so when I listened to all the topics I could teach on, I thought it's easy. I'm going to teach on regret, John. I can't <laughs> spend my whole life trying to teach like you, bro, and I can't do it. But we're going to talk about regret today. And uh, I'm so thankful John and Angel are away, and it's my pleasure to be with you. I was recently reading, I'm an Apple News junkie, and um, I was reading through and came across an article in the BBC News titled, Visitor Breaks Iconic Balloon Dog Sculpture in Miami. I quote, art lovers in Miami looked on in horror on Thursday night when a collector accidentally knocked a $42,000 sculpture by U.S. pop artist Jeff Koons to the ground. Now, when I first read this, I thought, before I scrolled down and saw the picture, I thought, this must be quite a sculpture. I mean, you know, I think my mind immediately goes to Michelangelo or something elaborate or large, or just one of those sculptures you look at and you're just like, wow. 
you know, I could see this in my home. And then I scroll down and I look at the picture and I'm like, no, it's just a blue dog balloon. <laughs> That's all it is. Like, it's like the guy at the clown show that tied it and then they just cast it. It's a blue dog balloon. No, the article continues on. Witnesses at the event said, get this as you're watching this, said she tapped it with her finger. Now, I'm thinking, I've been to museums and such, I think, why would anyone tap a $42,000 balloon sculpture? Honestly, why would anyone want a $42,000 balloon sculpture is beyond me. But why you would ever look at it and think, why would you do that? And this is no commentary on Mr. Coons. I mean, if you can turn balloon animals into art and sell them for 40 grand, good for you. In fact, some of you who are sort of budding artists, you're like, ah, shoot, that's your regret. You missed your calling. It was balloon animals, right? Now, apparently the article goes on. When she tapped the sculpture, it fell off the pedestal, smashing into tiny shards and had to be swept up into dustpans by gallery staff. And then this is, the, this is the best in the whole article. One local artist told the Miami Herald that when the thing fell to the ground, get this, it was like how a car accident draws a huge crowd on the highway. Life just stopped for 15 minutes. <laughs> Imagine being this poor gal who shows up for an art showing, decides to tap a blue balloon, it falls to the ground. Meanwhile, the, the staff, the custodial staff, come around and they sweep it into the rubbish while you feel the uneasy, sort of glaring glances of people behind you. And what would you wish? You would regret. I wish I would have never shown up, right? <laughs> Let alone, I wish I would have never tapped old blue, right? Imagine the regret. Now, I'm guessing most of us have not smashed $42,000 balloon art. But the reality is that all of us have regrets in our life, or we've experienced regret at some point. Live a little, and you will. There are these invisible, sometimes nagging, other times debilitating burdens that sap us of joy, and they steal our peace and our rest and our confidence and I found that regret is a large spectrum. On one side are the regrets of things that we wish we would have done. They're not really rooted in a defiant spirit toward Jesus or in, um, you know, they're not regretted in, in a loss of our encounter with or our walking with or our trust in Jesus. These are simply regrets of maybe missed opportunities. Perhaps you've missed going to the school of your dreams or marrying the girl of your dreams or taking the job of your dreams or seizing the opportunity of your dreams. It's just those life moments that we miss out on or that we wish if only I could go back and do them and if I could, I'd redo them, I'd, I'd do them differently. Those sort of regrets. That's on one end of the spectrum. And I think in those spaces, we've got to learn to kind of get back up and embrace life as God's given us as a good gift today. Okay, But I want to talk about the other end of the spectrum with most of our time today. And then the other side 
of the spectrum, those of us who have made a painful choice or we've spoken a hurtful word or we broke a commitment to someone we love. And as a result, we lie awake at night thinking, if only I had another chance. Like if only I had another go at home or another opportunity in my marriage or another chance as a parent. Maybe you need a fresh start from a busted up past or a self-destructive habit or something that was wounding to you where you in return wounded someone else. Those are the spaces of regret that I believe specifically God not only wants to help us move past, but he wants to heal us in. And I want to talk about the healing kindness of God today that's able to move us forward through our regrets toward healing and renewal by his kindness. I have good news for you today. When we open the scriptures, I think they're filled with stories of men and women who needed second chances. And it's interesting to me that one of the central characters of the whole Bible and the historical church, the Apostle Peter, was a leader and a man who needed another chance. And if you this morning say, you know what, I need another chance in a part of my life. I need healing because of a regret I have. I want to encourage you today with Peter's story because through him we see that new beginnings are possible. So here's what I want to do. I want to pick up in Peter's story just a night before Jesus is arrested and ultimately tried for crimes he did not commit and crucified and killed. As his disciples with Jesus are making their way toward Jerusalem, the gospel writer Matthew says this. You can see on the screens. On the way, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, get this, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you, Jesus. Now, when you look at Peter's life, you've got to admit he's either pretty gutsy or pretty stupid because if you're interacting with Jesus, who tells raging seas to stop and they do, or tells diseased bodies to be healed and they are, or tells dead friends to be raised and they obey, when Jesus says to Peter, you'll desert me, Peter goes, you're wrong, I would never deny you. And Jesus says, bro, you don't even know denial. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny you even know me. But Peter just doesn't give up. He says, Jesus, I swear my mama's Old Testament, I will never die, deny or desert you. So Jesus telegraphs Peter's sin, and Peter calls Jesus a liar. And I just think if you get around to calling Jesus a liar, it's just not a good day. Okay? It's not a good day. And hours later, as Jesus is arrested and on trial for crimes he didn't commit, the gospel writer records this. Peter's outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you, weren't you one of those that was with Jesus, the Galilean? But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't even know what you're talking about, he said. Then a different girl, servant girl notices Jesus and starts to work the crowd saying, hey, guy, this, guys, this guy was definitely with Jesus. And Jesus goes, I wasn't with him. I don't even know him. 
Moments later, a crowd gathers around Peter saying, you must be one of, you're you're clearly a Galilean. It's like saying, you're from rural Nebraska. You know, I can tell by your accent and your belt buckle. It's like, it's as easy to tell, you know? It's easy to tell. And if you're from rural Nebraska, you wear it proud, baby. And Peter says, I'm not, and I don't even know him. And the moment that Peter does this, the text says he grows so infuriated, he begins to curse. And he actually says, shut up. I don't even know the man. And at this moment, Matthew writes, the rooster crowed. And suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through his mind. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny three times you even know me. And he went away weeping bitterly. And his heart was flooded with regret. And in that moment, you got to imagine, he would have given anything to rewind the clock. You ever been there? You ever been in that space where you thought, if only I could go back and do it over again? Like some of you couples in here, have you ever thought, if only we could go back to day one? and start our marriage over again? Or as a father or mother, have you ever thought, like me, we have five kids, plenty of moments. Man, if only I could go back to that morning and do that day over again, that conversation and choose my words differently again, that interaction and listen rather than speak, that heated moment and be slow to anger, as James says, instead of quick to anger. If only I could go back and do that over again. If only I could take back that one conversation. You ever thought that it would change that one decision? Or maybe for you, your stories, if only I'd never taken that first hit or that first drink or broken that first promise. If only, if only. And when those thoughts run through your mind, what you're really saying is I need another chance. And if that's true for you, I just want to encourage you with the rest of our time. From a recovering Pharisee and a restored addict to you, I want to share with you what I believe Jesus can also do in your life and through your regret. You see, Peter's story doesn't stop in the courtyard. Jesus was crucified on Friday, but on Sunday, as women visited the tomb to prepare his body for burial, they find that the stone that had sealed the tomb had been rolled to the side. And as they entered the tomb, the text says that an angel appeared to them. And look with me in Mark chapter 16. It said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now, notice what the angel says. This is very important. Now, go and tell his disciples including Peter, especially Peter. Don't forget, Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you before he died. It's interesting that they have to say, hey, don't forget Peter, which raises the question, where has Peter been this whole time? You know, if you've ever made a decision you regret, you know what it's like for your heart to remain crippled by guilt and shame. You know what it's like to live in a space of hiding. And maybe it's a physical hiding. Maybe it's an emotional hiding. 
Maybe it's I stay away from people, but maybe it's that when I'm with people, I'm distant because my heart is guarded and afraid. Peter's at a distance, so much so that the angel says you've got to go to him and alert him that Jesus wants to be with him. Here's Peter, who's experienced one of the most public failures and personal embarrassments of all times. I mean, imagine being on record for all of history for denying Jesus three times. Imagine. It's worse than breaking a blue art balloon, okay? (laughs) Far worse. Imagine. And this is why the angel says, you got to tell Peter. And the story continues. I mean, days later, Jesus is arriving on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and the disciples are out in the boats fishing. And the text says that when Peter sees Jesus on the shore, he jumps out of his boat, swims to shore to meet him. And then Mark records this really funny scene. And I would encourage you, when you read the Gospels, try to read it through like the lens of I've never seen this before. And and see it in the course of a normal day for you. This is very bizarre. Uh, John writes that... Uh, as they get to the shore together, Jesus serves them breakfast. That's unique. Peter has denied Jesus, and Jesus is like, would you like juice or milk? How would you like your eggs prepared? And they sit down and they share a meal. And then they enter into the strangest conversation. Simon, son of John, Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. What else had happened to Peter's life three times? I deny him. I don't know him. I've never known him. And Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And here's the deal. I'm convinced that Peter had always loved Jesus. He, just like you and I, is a human that in a moment of broken weakness turned his back on Jesus. And yet Jesus never turned his back on Peter. Isn't that beautiful? He says, you know I love you. You know I love you. And at this, Jesus spoke two words that forever changed Peter's life. He says, Peter, then follow me. Follow me. And it's as if Jesus is saying, I know you walked away from me, Peter, but I'm still here. I know you denied me, but I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. I know you were ashamed of me, Peter, but I'm still for you. I know you're unsure of whether your sin can be covered, but I've already forgiven you completely. And even though you don't see it, Peter, today, and you wonder whether I can do anything of significance through your life, Peter, listen to me, I will do more in and through your life than you can imagine. And isn't it interesting that Jesus chooses this man, broken by regret and sin, upon which to build his church that the gates of hell will not prevail against? Friends, there is no regret that Jesus cannot overcome. There is no sin that he cannot forgive. There is no wound he will not heal. There are no lost years that he cannot restore. There is no moment of weakness that he, through your story and by the power of his spirit, 
cannot make strong. And yet I know the power of regret because I've lived for years through it before I encountered Jesus. And I know how debilitating it can be. And if you're living a life riddled with regret, you're probably constantly discouraged and overwhelmed with a sense of defeat because of a choice you made or a promise you broke or a word you said. And I have no doubt if you're like me that you came into this space when I was in this place in my story and I wondered deep in my heart if God would really love me. I thought maybe he would endure me at best. And really, most of my life, I thought, if I can only try to live a really good life, that then he'll owe me something. And I'll overcome those days by my own strength. But if you look closely at Peter's story, you find the opposite to be true. That on one hand, each of us needs a new beginning, and we've all denied Jesus in more ways than we can count. But on the other hand, we see through his story that God pursues us with an indescribable and unfailing love. Amen. And today, this morning, hear me, God is pursuing you with an indescribable and an unfailing love. You may have left him, but he will not leave you. In fact, years later, Peter writing in his letters at the end of the Bible, First and Second Peter, to celebrate this kind of love. He said, he, Jesus, personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, we are healed. Let me ask you this morning when it comes to your regrets, Who's going to heal that regret in your life? When it comes to the times that you've walked away from him or from someone you love, who's going to restore those moments? My encouragement is in the same way Jesus restored Peter's life, that he can do the same for you. And he's pursuing you today. I remember the first time that I woke up one day and actually believed that Jesus loved me. After many, many years of deceit and duplicity and addiction in my life. I remember um, coming to the realization that the love of Jesus was not just an idea, but it was a truth rooted in a relationship Amen. with the one who made me and will never leave me. And I remember that day that the unfailing love of Jesus went from being an idea out here to a song in my heart. In fact, the abiding text that defines my story comes out of Psalm chapter 40 when David, another man who lived in a lot of regret, King David, um, was restored to the heart of God and he wrote in Psalm 40, as I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, he turned to me and he heard my cry and he lifted me out of the mud and the mire and he set my feet on solid ground and he gave me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to my God. And I'm telling you, friends, before that day, my song was one of regret. It was one of fear. It was one of self-condemnation. It was one of an inner angst that I hadn't got things right and I never would. I was defeated. I was discouraged. I was exhausted. And then the radical love of Jesus caught up with me. And friends, I don't stand before you today as one who is 
accomplished something to endear me to Jesus, but one who has surrendered and embraced the dear love of Jesus. And I believe that you can do the same. And I believe he's offering you a brand new beginning today in the same that he did to Peter and to me and to countless others through history. When it comes to regret, I just want to close this way um, and just talk very practically how I believe God uses regret in our lives. You say, well, God uses regret. I believe he does. And I believe he'll use it for your good. I remember a few years back, I, uh, I'm a runner, and I was running along, and I started for the first time to get a, a pain behind my knee. And I tried to run through it. If, you, if you're in kind of an exercise at all, you know what it's like to get a pain. I mean, I'm 45. I mean, just kind of everything hurts at times, you know. So um, I had a pain in my knee, and I tried to run through it, and the pain only got worse. I don't know if you've been like that. You know, the pain just get worse. And so I tried to exercise through it and maybe strength training around it, and it just kind of got worse until I couldn't run anymore. About a year and a half ago, I couldn't run. And so I finally went to my orthopedist, and we did some imaging and did some assessing, and he finally said to me, and I would have never expected, he said, Jay, you got an IT band injury. Um, so this band that runs from sort of the arch of your foot all the way back up to your hip, if it tightens up, it's meant to be sort of loose and limber, but if it tightens up, it strains the whole foot to hip. And that led me down a road of eight months of recovery with physical, eight months because of an IT band. It's interesting, the IT band is put in place to actually protect the whole leg because if you don't pay attention to the pain, get this, when, this is what it has to do with regret. If you don't pay attention to the pain, you can actually do significant injury. The same is true of regret. If you don't pay attention to it, it can actually cause further injury in your life and injury to others. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, says that God uses pain to rouse a watching world. And I believe he does the same with regret. He, he works through regret to wake you up to the fact that there's an injury, something's amiss. And you can ignore regret. You can suppress it. You can deny it. You can play like it's not there. But friends, it will only cause decreased mobility, injury, and pain. I have found that the only way to experience healing in the face of regret is to bring it into the open. And to come to Jesus and to ask him to begin healing me. And friends, he will. And then I found that I need to bring others alongside of me because I'm not an orthopedist, okay? Nor am I one who can heal the deeper emotional needs or scars of my life. And so I believe you not only need Jesus as you trust him, you need a trusted friend or perhaps helper to lead you and walk through you toward healing. And so can I encourage you today, friends, don't ignore what Jesus in his kindness is showing you. He wants to use it so you'll embrace him as he leads you toward a new way of living. And he'll put a new song in your mouth to sing. It's a hymn of praise to our God. Yes. David goes on and says, many will see and hear what he has done and put their hope in him. And my prayer for you today is that you would see and hear who Jesus is and you put your hope in him. We have a prayer team here at Dream City. You have a prayer team. 
I'll celebrate your prayer team. They're going to come up here in just a moment, and they would be a first great step to say, there's something in my life I want to pray through so Jesus can bring me through. So I would invite the prayer team to come up as I pray, and we're just going to end this time together in a moment of celebration. Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus, in this place, as the prayer team comes up, I want to thank you for how good you are That though we leave you, you do not leave us. Though we abandon you, you never turn your back on us. Though we have walked away from you, you pursue us in your unfailing kindness. And today I pray across this space that there would be freedom in your name. Maybe there are people who have never turned to you, Jesus, by faith. And I pray today they would for the first time come to you and say, Jesus, have my life, all of me. But I know there are people today who are walking by faith in you, Jesus, that are living a debilitated life because of a wound from the past or regret from what happened yesterday. And I pray that they would come and say, Jesus, begin the process of healing in my life so I can live a life of peace and joy and wholeness. Would you do that in this space? Holy Spirit, come and have your way in us. Amen. Church, are you thankful for that message this morning? Man, yeah, yeah. Come on, you can clap. And put your hands together one more time for for Jed Molinex. It's so great having him with us and such a powerful uh, message of hope that we received. And so, so again, yeah, the, the prayer team's up here if, if you guys uh, need prayer and, and want to come up and make that first step. Um, otherwise, uh, as you guys are, are being dismissed today, just remember, again, we have the sign-ups for discipleship classes that are coming up. And uh, share your B1 Reach 1 stories, okay? So love you guys. We'll see you next time. Be blessed. At Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other do three things. Discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. Please check out our past sermon series or online discipleship classes. And don't forget to hit subscribe and the bell for notifications on all of our latest videos.